Six of the Magna Carta broadcasting live on over 400 freedom loving stations on the Heritage Not Hate Radio Network. We are the uh, fifth column of freedom, the Bolshevik busted bulwark defending the greatest nation in the history of the damn world. I'm your host, uh, Colonel Muskrat Monticello, aka the gun running prodigal son, aka Mr. Turkey Dinner. Our phone number is 888 uh, Patriot. That's 888 uh, 728 7468. And it's sponsored by the Brain Blaster 76 Rapid Nootropics Delivery System. Trigger the libs by shooting yourself with our new pistol-shaped nootropics injector that gives you the edge you need to protect your property and your family when you need it. I've got a uh, full banana clip full of collars to start out the hour, so let's go out to uh, Rory on a cell phone. I am originally from China. I legally entered this country. I love, I love this country. I love its values. I love the Constitution. The message is very clear. We love immigration. We love immigration. We need them. We need the people come here, but they come legally, legally. They cannot come to this country without any documentation, without any, without any love of our country, love of our value, learning English. Filthdump.exe Good luck. So, I remember when I was a kid, um, one of the first uh, World War II movies that I was allowed to watch as a rated R movie was Wind Talkers, <laughs> directed by John Woo. I think, it, I think it may have been written by John Woo, too. Um, oh, God! And it featured um, a Native American, uh, or several Native American characters that acted as code talkers to talk about, like, military strategy over the radio against the Japanese. Um, and one of the major plot points is that... Uh, the main Native American protagonist in the movie, uh, Benjamin Yazzie, he has a child that he named George Washington Yazzie. And there was like this uh, little scene that was meant to be sentimental. And I think even the, the lighting was meant to be a little bit brighter. Like the contrast was extra bright to show that it was like an extra wholesome moment. And he was just like, George, I believe in America and America's vision or some shit like that. Just real like hokey, like patriot shit. Um, and I just will always remember that fucking son's name was George Washington. I love that like at the time and probably to us, like that scans is hokey. But now we live in an era where it's like you watch the trailer for House of Ho and it's literally like these fucking children of Vietnamese immigrants named Reagan and Washington. <laughs> you know, like, Kai and I were joking about, like, what if the reactionary Cubans started naming their kids after presidents? No, I mean, that's so you'd, you'd that's have, hilarious. like, Lincoln no. Suarez, or, like, <laughs> Ike Hernandez, JFK Ruiz. <laughs> JFK Ruiz. <laughs> <laughs> Benjamin Harrison Carrasco. Just, like, yeah, all these... It's gonna be great. Like, I'm really excited to... Yeah, I mean, because if we have Washington Ho... No, I love my country so much that I gave my kid a name where everyone in the country is going to mock my child for his name. Oh my like, god. Like, congratulations. Way to show that you love America. Yeah, way like, to like, like basically sacrificing your child to, to it. Yeah, yeah like, you have made your kid permanently a target. Like, he better be alpha or otherwise he's fucked. He's done. They don't look alpha. <laughs> they're very, they're very cube-like. Yeah. Man. But I mean, that's... I, I'm one to talk, because I think that's 
you know, they're the two paths for, like, Asian old people, right? And it's like, you either become, like, a block of tofu, you know, you become, like, the kind of squarish, uh, squarish guy, or you shrink. Absolutely. Like, you either, you either block up and become just sort of, like, like a meatball, a nikudama person. Yep. Or, yeah, you just become, like, the shriveled old guy, like, uh, like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree, but, like, the <laughs> head is the bot, you know, like, the head is the, the giant Christmas ornament. Absolutely. Man. Those are the two pads, and I, I don't know if I'm gonna look like Kanye in the I Love It video, or if I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna be the Charlie Brown Christmas tree when I get older. <laughs> no, that's real, though. There's really only two paths, and, uh, yeah, one of those paths is much more, uh, well-worn looking. Damn. Yeah, I mean, because, like, the people, you know, if you get, if you're lucky enough to get the Charlie Brown route, it means you wear sweatpants 24-7, and, like, a vest at all times. Man, you're you know, like, like uh, I love that though. That's how you know you live in a good neighborhood is if you get the old, uh, the old Chinese people walking down the street in like a tracksuit in like eighty-five degree weather. No, that's 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 what I've got in my neighborhood, dude. Uh, fucking Chinese and and Indian Indian people too. No, and no white people walking around the neighborhood makes me feel safe. So <laughs> shout out to that. Yeah, all those old Chinese people. Like he'd probably yell at someone if they tried to mug you. Hey, he'd hit him with hey. their, with his cane. <laughs> hey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hey, you come here legally. <laughs> legally. Legally. No, not for our country. <laughs> we got to get that on the soundboard. That's an Absol- old Oh, my thing. God. Yeah, absolutely. We need to get uh, Tony Jaw on, on the soundboard. Tony J-A-W, too. J-A-W. Hell, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The the one one of the things to come out of this election is we really have seen, like, a parade of, like, reactionary Asian-American immigrants. And the thing that really, like, saddens me about it is that it means that, like, the discourse is going to be focused on the immigrant experience for the next 100 years. Like, we're never going to be able to tell stories as third-generation people, third or fourth. Like, that'll never happen. It'll always be rooted in my parents were immigrants. Oh, God. Yeah, that's that's going to be the permanent facet of it, because these are the people that have gained the power. uh, Well, it's also this, right, and it's this acknowledgement that we're somehow aliens. Yeah, like but oh, we have grift. alien roots. That's the grift. That, that where because we come from is how the narratives can keep generating. Man, yeah, they're they're just creating a. They're just reinforcing the idea that they're an outsider, right? I mean, this is the whole this thing. Is blue like, check I, shit. blue check shit, man. Open your third eye. Yeah, I mean, I hate to be the guy, but I'm kind of in favor of assimilation. It's just like because assimilation makes us stronger. Yeah. Adding more characteristics to our culture is better. Yeah, Having it makes more us facets too. and options. Right, it's actually good because it says, okay, here are all the options. We have a good vision of what we could do. Which one do we want to do? And which, actually, one is, which one's best for us? I think what's interesting with assimilation is that I think the discourse flattens it where we're only acknowledging this notion of we're assimilating white things only. But I'm opening up more to the notion of if we're assimilating to America collectively, we can take the things that resonate with our experience and it just so happens that a lot of that comes from like black, indigenous, and other type of like marginalized people movements that articulated the the frustrations that we've had in our own lives in English uh, to some sort of larger history rather than just like personal anecdotes type shit. It really just to me reinforces the idea that the problem isn't appropriation; it's it's exploitation. Yeah, the power the dynamic of, of it. Yeah, because I mean, like you talk about. Like, America assimilates foreign shit all the time, right? You were getting at that. Like, think about K-pop. Think about Dragon Ball Z and anime. And and that's a a genuine appreciation and uh, 
and a sincere sort of integration into our culture. Like the meme status of Dragon Ball Z is to the point where it is now a permanent fixture of our culture because of the impact it had on people our age when we were growing up. It's it's done. It's a wrap. Yeah, it's going to be a permanent part Everyone of American knows culture the now. Fucking fusion dance now. Absolutely. Everyone. Absolutely. Oh, it's actually, funny too because growing up, it's like most kids hadn't seen that far. Right. Like, what the fuck's the fusion dance? Exactly. You, you had to be like, like a, a fucking bl- head that like was watching video at low bit rates to fucking see that shit. Yeah, you saw a fan sub where Vegeta called someone a a homophobic slur, (laughs) or you saw that, that, like, a a 100 by, like, 200 JPEG of, like, the hypothetical fusion between Krillin and Piccolo. (laughs) Crickolo? Yeah, I mean, that was a real thing they drew. It was not good. Imagine, like, a little green Krillin with Piccolo's eyes. (laughs) Oh, God. But he's still got the dots on his forehead. Interesting. Yeah, I would have liked to see it. It's Damn. really an insult to Piccolo, though, saying that, hey, you could, you're at the same level as Krillin. Absolutely. It's not good. But hey, everybody, no. it's uh, it's PhilThump.exe. It's Brian and Kyle today. Uh, George has to work, but he'll be back soon. Hell yeah. And uh, here we are. Uh, it's been quite the week. Yeah, it's uh, January 10th. We're 10 days into the new year. And, yeah. Uh, wild uh, week. Yeah, so much for 2021 was going to be so much better, right? It's been something every day. It, it, it kind of is New Year, New Us. Where it's like, yeah, now this is all just out in the open. I blame Bean Dad. Oh, fucking Bean Dad shit. Like, that is something that's... like I. So, because I'm only recently uh, Twitter, Twitter literate, um, uh, just being a part of a phenomenon of dunking on some pretentious white shithead... I mean, you know, granted, like, is it very productive in my own life to be spending mental bandwidth on time doing that? No, not really. But did it feel good? You bet your fucking ass it did. Just to be a part of that, like, moment where, like, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people were engaged in that shit. Hey, you know, I feel like I was a part of a moment in history, no matter how fucking stupid. I'm just gonna say, uh... The, the the titular Bean Dad, John Roderick, uh, I'm a fan of his music. So, oh, uh, yeah, I heard people, I'm, like, reckoning with that. Yeah, I'm just gonna say, listen, uh, this doesn't really change my opinion of him, because, uh, whatever. Okay. I enjoy his music, and I think, okay, he was shitty to his kid once, but also, uh, this is literally what every fucking American family does. No, it's true. Like, that is like, true. You're going to act like this has never happened. Like, yeah, you were never denied a meal as a child. <laughs> like, I can't. Like, I was never. Like, my parents never laid a hand on me. But I'm pretty sure there been there. There was at least one time where they're like, "Yeah, you're not eating dinner because you're being a piece of shit right now." No, actually, that that's that's a good thing to bring up. Uh, just as a comparative sort of thing, because I think for me it was the opposite, where like. Um, my parents were of the mentality of, like, you fucking do that shit again, and you're fucking getting a whooping. Um, but, you know, they never deprived me of food, even when I was really, 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 really a fucking shithead. I mean, it's one of those things, though, where it's like, we say deprive of food, but it's not like, oh, I'm starving or whatever. It's like, come on, like, what are we doing here, guys? I'm just saying, like, I'm sure plenty of people have been told, hey, you can't, you're not gonna get your lunch or whatever, or hey, you forgot this, so you don't get it. Like, I, I don't know. I think we're just, we're, we're finding easy targets because we f- feel so just sort of, like, personally impotent. No, absolutely. That it's just, I like, you lash exactly out at it anything to. that even, and it's really just, like, Dude. it's looking for a take. Because when you look at it at the end of the day, it's like, he probably thought this was funny, and he probably thought it was a, a funny bit. 
Yeah. And then people misunderstood it or whatever. Because yep. I haven't engaged with this because it's been so brain melting. <laughs> but I'm sure he was yeah, just it's, doing it's... a bit or something. And then it's like, yeah, it spirals out of control, and now it's a thing we all have to think about. <laughs> that, see, that's really what it was. He was doing a bit. Um, and, and and really the crux of it in terms of uh, the scrutiny, I guess regardless of whether or not it's justified, right? Like, the, the justification behind it was, like, he was being out of touch with, uh, with his bit. <laughs> Even though it was a bit. Okay. Okay, God. Yeah, no, it's stupid. This like, is it's why a, it's pointless it's a, it's to try bit, parse but these I, things. I don't like the direction that it went in sort of shit. Yeah, exactly. It's funny just to be like, wow. You know what? It's, yeah, it's all stupid. The The discourse is awful. It's only going to get worse from here. Yeah. Uh, especially in the wake of what happened on uh, Wednesday. Which oh, yeah. I'm sure everyone knows at this point. The, uh, the thing that happened. The steel was... I don't know what happened to the steel. The steel yeah. may or may not have been stopped, but I don't know who was stealing from whom. Yeah. That seems to be the conclusion we can draw after this week. Yeah. But yeah, so, you know, I I guess let's just talk about our experiences with what happened. Because I think um I think my experience is pretty unique. I don't I don't know where you were or what you were doing when it happened. Uh so I was uh eating lunch. And I, I was looking at the screen, and I, I had CNN up, and I was like, hey, it looks like, uh, you know, people are uh, doing the Stop the Steel protest shit right now. Uh, and then I turned away for about 45 minutes, and then I turned back, and then I saw that people were uh, climbing the Capitol building, and then I had to go into a meeting. Um, so then from there, I, I, I had to skip ahead another two hours and then like, you know, I saw most of what was really like aftermath, but what about you? All right. Well, I had, I had taken some time off, uh, earlier this week and it happened to coincide with the stop the steel rally. Per- wow. So I had friend of the show, Zach Scott over. Then. Yeah. I had him over the night before. So he showed up on Tuesday at yeah. that point, they had been doing like a pre-rally the night before. It was like an eight-hour rally, and I think I watched the entire fucking thing. Damn. It was it was pretty fucked up. Because it was just it was just like lunatic speaker after lunatic speaker. At one point, like and it was interesting too, because like the 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 online the, the online right really kind of coalesced at this thing. You know, like yeah, they were really talking did. about like, oh it's unity, we're all together in this. And we'll talk more about like how what's happened in the wake of that. But in the moment at least you know, it really seemed like something was going to happen, right? You had all this energy, and you had all these people who who call each other grifters all the time. It's like you had Alex Jones, Dude, you yeah, had Roger Stone. You had fucking all these fucking pastors and Stop the Steel cranks and just all sorts it of freaks It was a coalescence. On, Damn, it yeah, really on was. on one stage, you know, like, coming up and talking about how much they love the president. Damn, it was like a Lollapalooza of the fucking right-wing freaks. It was, like, it was. Freaks. MAGA rapper Bryson Gray did, like, a ten-minute set. Yeah. Roger Stone came out to um, one of the Deplorable Choir and Bryson Gray performing a live performance of the song Roger Stone Did Nothing Wrong. <laughs> it's it was it was something to behold. Like the fucking lights went out at one point and they were just giving speeches in the dark. And while Alex Jones was go- giving his speech, the lights came back on. Damn. It just, like, illuminated him as he was ranting about the Chicom goblins. That really feels like uh, an anime, sort of, like, Pokemon Meowth speaking with Team Rocket moment. Like Yeah, the spotlight on yeah. him while he gives his monologue. Because that's, that's really what it was. And it was, like, the build-up. So I knew, like, this was going to be fucking something. Yeah, like, fuck yeah. They, these people have been talking about this for two months, and 
like, no one, the Democratic Party, no one's really done anything to respond to these people's concerns, aside from, like, dismissing them. I'll extrapolate on that a little later. Hell I know yeah. for a lot of you, you're going to be like, well, why should they? But I'll, I'll talk about that a little more later. But, you know, you have these people who have spent the last two months just rambling, all coming together. So, we go to bed around, like, 2 a.m., when all the shit ends. Uh, we wake up at, like, 8.30, because the events are going to start at 9. So we turn the rally out at nine, and I yeah. mean, again, everyone's there, right? They have their, their damn. Sort of... I just love that, like, you guys were able to like have like a night hanging out with each other. Then you wake up and you do it all over again. Oh yeah, no, we planned around it. Like we 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 came up with a schedule for watching all this stuff. Man, it's so like you guys were at like a you you were like conference attendees type shit. You guys were on it. Yeah, no, we really were because we knew it's like something is going to happen, right? Like this Fuck is yeah. This Watching is history. the moment when all this is going to, like, the the climax is about to happen. We're entering the climax. Because, like, the time has run out. Everyone has spent all of Christmas break and New Year's break talking about how you have to stop the steal. You know, Trump gets out there and is... Well, here's something interesting, too, that I think isn't being reported on. Trump was supposed to speak at 11. And the uh, the, the the hearing was supposed to start at, like, a, uh, like 1 o'clock or so. So, like, Trump doesn't start his speech till like, an hour in to when he's scheduled to speak. So that that's part of the reason I think things went the way that they went. Because he was wrapping his speech up as they were beginning the voting procedures. Damn. So, like, I think that really, like, I think that's one of the reasons things went so poorly. Because I feel like if the original plan, which was Trump gives a speech and then they march down to the Capitol in time for this so they can greet the heroes or whatever... Yeah. It may have gone a little differently. I don't know, but I, I do think that, like, that's interesting to note that he was so late to his own event. Interesting. Uh, I'd also I like to say... I didn't really know what the expectations were. I just kind of had vague understanding of what might go down. Well, um, let's think about yeah. this. I'm just some fucking crank shithead who works at a grocery store, and I had intricate knowledge of what their plan was. No, exactly. Uh, yeah. The, the, the entire U.S. government seemed to have no idea that this could have happened. Good. You just have to watch, like, 40 seconds of a Dan Bongino episode, and you'll fucking know something's going to happen. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. You've got a PhD in this shit, dude. And, like, uh, it's it's not like you're also spending hours and hours of your time every day, either. You're, you're able to draw conclusions pretty quickly based on uh, gleaning over some information. I'll put it this way. I don't have to spend hours and hours. I choose to spend hours and hours. <laughs> Hell yeah. I just I prefer to be rigorous. It's like with the cult. It's like I have to watch the stream. I yeah. have to see what this insane cult is up to. I'm sorry. Love this. Yeah, you got, you, you got you got to see what's on their Teespring. You know. I finally saw the fucking Chinese guys in the cult. The mm. Huang father, Brian Huang. Okay, so he rules. He's actually great. Is he like the only Asian guy in this shit? Um, he's no. There's a Filipina nurse as well who's one of Mom's closest confidants. Oh, okay. She's yeah, like mom's I, character. I imagine her being like uh, the the wacky spiritual guru that Nancy Reagan had, or the wacky spiritual guru that Park Geun-hye had in South Korea. Like, just, well, it's the, it, it's kind of that, but reversed, where the wacky spiritual guru is the president, and then mm -hmm. the person who gets all the abuse is the uh, <laughs> like the caretaker. And, and so the purpose is just to sort of be like a whipping boy type figure. Yeah, basically, yeah, she, I watched one stream and she told this long story about how, like, she tried to bring mom a donut is just, like, a nice gesture because they bought donuts one day. Yeah. And then, like, mom freaked out on her and then, like, father yelled at her and was like, you didn't consult with me! 
I want to have to go through me. Everything has to go through me. And then you just hear like this woman telling this story, and she's like, and, you know, I learned a valuable lesson that you know when I when I got upset when I she didn't like the donut, you know, I I I kind of went back to my childhood place, and then father had to remind me you're being a child that you have to seek permission from father, and that's the lesson I learned. Oh, you know, just like man. really, really kind of upsetting shit. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I I I see that as upsetting just as it gives me associations with like shit i've heard abused adoptees say i don't want to hear that no it was it was jaw-droppingly just like upsetting yeah like that that'll stick with me for a while don't let me see it but no shout out to the huang father yeah uh, what's up we'll, with him we'll, we're, we're coming for you we're gonna save you buddy Damn. i didn't get much of an impression he kind of looks he has a jackie nose though huh like it, it, is it jackie really flat nose. Like the big nose, it, like it looks like Jackie's nose. Like bulbous. Yeah, it's a very bulbous nose. He's okay, got a Jackie yeah. nose. Yeah, and that I makes me to like him a lot. The right word for it, but yeah, that's all. It it lends like a, a a soft, friendly energy to have a fucking nose like that. Oh God, are we doing internalized racism by being no, like he looks like Jackie no, Chan? They all look no, the same. No, we are, <laughs> we are, we're the Asian race scientists, so we have the rigorous understanding to say this with the understanding that there's context underneath it. Also, you know what? We love Jackie, and there's nothing wrong with being reminded of a man who will go through great lengths to protect you. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, think about it. He'll he'll fight anyone. He'll jump down a ladder. He'll jump from the top story of a mall. Yeah, he'll break his foot after jumping off a bridge onto concrete and then he'll get a cast and then he'll put a rubber shoe over the cast to do the jump again yeah exactly it's like how much jackie loves us right i mean who who is better than jackie chan who would you more want to be surrounded by and reminded of than jackie chan uh maybe goku but that's about it see i wish george were here because he and i are of the opinion that goku's a lunatic (laughs) like (laughs) goku is not a good person goku's a piece of shit (laughs) I want George to be here when we talk about it, but Goku is a psycho. Yeah, he, he, he keeps is a letting psycho. the bad guys live because he wants to fight him again. He wants to whoop their he, ass. Frieza even is like, "Hey, I'm going to go back to being like a genocidal piece of shit," and Fre- Goku's like, "Whatever, we'll just beat you again." Yeah, I'll just whoop your ass later. But he doesn't like seek him out. He's like, "Well, you go do what you got to do, and then come find me." So it's like, yeah, you just go out and genocide planets, <laughs> and then outside, when you feel like fighting that? me, let's just fight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nah, man, fuck Goku. He is uh, he is George W. Bush. Damn, he is. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Goku is George W. Bush. Goku W. Bush. Yeah, Goku W. Bush. We we invented that. That's proprietary. Yeah. TM. We're selling those shirts, TM even though it violates. Fuck you too. You think I give a damn about a Grammy? We're doing it. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So right. So getting back to the steel. Getting back to the stop yeah. the steel rally. So there's been a lot of footage. People have been posting this thing where they're like the Trump family uh, celebrating as the riots happen. That footage is actually from before he went on to speak. Oh, okay. Like that footage of them dancing to Gloria and partying. That's not happening while the riots are happening. Ah, yeah. He was en route to the Capitol as like he was heading out there as the riots were happening. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't make sense. I mean, even with someone as stupid or bad as a president as him, this just doesn't compute. Like, yeah, this clearly wasn't the result anyone wanted. Yeah. I mean, well, yes and no. I mean, part of the thing is, like, despite all of these groups coalescing, like, they're really, outside of, okay, we have to charge the Capitol or whatever, or surround it, or put pressure, or make our voices heard or whatever, like, there was no definitive plan for, like, 
how can this be accomplished? Yo. And that's one of the reasons that I think like calling it a coup attempt is disingenuous. I agree. Absolutely agree. Because I think the only major goal that there was consensus around that day was get into the Capitol. Um, the only goal there was consensus for was like, make sure you're streaming so you can put this on parlor and get the clicks. Yeah. That's all it was, was just like, do it for the clout. And um, I guess what's crazy. Ooh, I got a, I got a shipment arrived from Amazon. How about that? Um, nice. I, I guess just thinking about what kind of imagery was going on in their mind to motivate them to like want to go all the way to DC and just fucking try this shit. Like the image to me is like when Homer robs the quickie mart or imagines robbing the quickie mart, just like the imagery of fucking like, I wonder what it would be like to storm the Capitol. Um, and then it only goes as far as him, like, on the porch, like, twirling a gun and Marge, like, doing the monkey. But that's about it. And once they got in, it seemed like the extent of their plans was, like, stay overnight in a Walmart like a 14-year-old would dream about. But that's about it. Right. That was sort of the, I think that was the average person's image of it, right? Like, most of my engagement comes with like, people who are on sort of the planning end of it, right? Like Alex Jones, where he said, he claims to have spent thousands of dollars of his own money to, like, fund this rally and do, you know, like, get all the speakers and get all the equipment and shit like that. Yeah. You know, book all the people and stuff like that. Damn, yeah. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's interesting to see how, after what happened, like, how things have fallen apart within the right. Because now yeah, we get so this quickly. whole thing where, like, everyone is accusing everyone else of being an op. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Alex Jones Alex is Jones accusing yesterday. the Q people of being an op. They're saying that he's an op. Yeah. Like, everyone's an op, basically. And it's like, if you really kind of dig into it, there's compelling art. There's, there's really kind of evidence to show that everyone might be an op involved with this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you know, uh, we've been talking about on this show how I've been watching The Sopranos recently, and when I'm finished, I have a couple more episodes. I'll talk more about it. But if anything, what I've learned from that show is, like, how many people can become ops and like the kinds of pressure that you face when you're a, when you're an op to continue being an op and how easy it is to become an op if you get wrapped up in shit that's bigger than what you're able to handle 10,000%. So, yeah, I mean exactly. And it's like the it's not like the government doesn't have a history of using like pissed off right-wing shitheads to do stuff or to try to do stuff. Ruby Ridge, AKA, Waco, uh, all that shit. Stephen Paddock, uh, yeah. the guys who tried to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, any Entrapment, number of guys man. in very recent history who turned out to be cranks who may or may not have been ops. Entrapment, man. Yeah, it's really easy. It's yeah. really easy. Yeah. When people, like, that's one of the reasons they'll never ban fucking white supremacy or whatever, because those people make perfect ops. Absolutely. everyone fucking hates them to begin with. They're too so valuable really easy as to scapegoat them. And then when you do that, you fucking steal people's rights. Yep. That's all it is. It's just a fucking scam to expand the security state. Hell and, like, yeah. all the people who have been kind of talking about, like, see, here's where things get interesting, right? Okay. Is the idea of, was it poor planning on the part of the DNC and the part of, like, Washington in general. You know, like, the was it the sort of establishment not taking the Stop the Steal people seriously that led to this? Or was it, in fact, intentional? You allow them to kind of fuck stuff up, and then you have an excuse to crack down on any of it. Yeah. Because what have we had? We've had a fucking summer of protests. We've had years of protests. Yep. And everyone, like, at this point, basically everyone thinks the protests are a nuisance. Yeah. Right? Like, at, at, on some level, everyone's just kind of done with it. Exactly. Like, regardless of, like, 
uh, what public opinion polls would say right now, and like over 50% would support them. I think the underlying sentiment is yes, absolutely that in practice. And to the Democrats, those fucking protests are a liability. Because whenever yeah. something happens, be it you know started by an agitator, outside agitators or not, like you you have to respond to fucking right wingers who are like, look at these riots. And if you're the fucking Democratic Party and all you have is respectability politics and no I- ideology, you can't just say, okay, yeah, but we're still right. You have to back away from all this shit. Absolutely. Think about the comments that Joe Biden made. Like any of his addresses that he's had post what happened on Wednesday, oh my god, he's yeah. gone out of his way to say the like when he's listing the the crimes that occurred. Number one, like uh, they were in the Capitol building. That's number one for him is that they fucking broke some windows of this building. Number two is that they violated fucking law and order, and number three is that they didn't respect the police. So that fucking tells you where their priorities. Exactly. Are. Yeah, no, it's complete horseshit. Like, it's, yeah, complete showing of their hand. Absolutely. Yeah, at at the end of the day. The thing that we learned from what happened on Wednesday is that the people in power in this country have absolute contempt for their constituents and have absolutely no interest in what your problems are. Absolutely. The only thing they care about is maintaining their precious status quo where they're allowed to be sickos. Where they're allowed to be, like, I hate to sound like Infowars, but they are fucking, like, they're literal vampire potbelly goblins hobbling around. (laughs) It's true. It's fucking true. No, it is. It absolutely is. I mean, and I, I guess I see it this way, right? Like, I, knowing people now that have gone to, like, prestigious educational institutions and shit, um, and now that we're entering our 30s, I see how enticing it is uh, to climb a career ladder uh, to gain, uh, like, a six-figure compensation, but at the expense of really just putting all of your existential identity capital behind this sort of repressive state shit you know like and related to i can i can like sign off on all of this carte blanche because um it gives me the ability to have a nice job and like the ability to be an arbiter over like our general morality or sensibilities as a culture type shit i mean like so Here's how I think we need to frame this kind of... Here's how I frame yeah. why things went down. So let, let's put aside the idea that this whole thing was one large op for a moment. Because that's a whole nother, like ball of wax that <laughs> could take hours to dig into. For sure. Let's just assume that the reason this mostly occurred... Well, there are two big reasons. Reason number one is that the government completely failed to address any voter concerns about the legitimacy of the election. Absolutely. So I think the steal was bullshit, right? And I feel like I can dismiss people talking about stopping the steal, but yeah. also I'm a single private citizen. If you are the establishment yeah. that has been doing nothing but telling people that the only thing that matters is that you fucking go out and vote in the middle of this goddamn pandemic, that the only thing that matters and the only thing you can do is vote, and then after the vote happens... And you have, you know, a, per- a percentage of people who believe the institute that they believe the vote was rigged. Like, you need to answer that somehow. If you are that institution, Absolutely. you need to respond to that in some way, shape, or form. Even if it is ultimately just a write-off, you need to do the homework there and say, okay, we actually address the concerns of these alleged 70 million people. I mean, especially right? in the discourse right now, if there's so much talk about, like, institutional trust, right? Let's... Yeah, exactly. With with 
with the right-wing attacks being solely based on the idea that, like, yeah, all these institutions are compromised. If you are the people who stand for these institutions, yeah, you, gotta like, be like, you no, need to do something to prove evidence. that here's those institutions receipts. have been protected. I'm sorry. Yeah. You need to do that. And yeah. your failure to address that That's in a genuine obligation. way That's what you only up further for. alienates people and manuf- creates situations like this. Absolutely. And of course, and it's your the other fault. reason... It's your fault. It's not my fault. It's not your fault. It's these people's fault. Absolutely. And the audacity of Joe Biden and all these fucking Congress just rats yeah. getting up there and going, this is such a dark day. We're better than this. Fuck off. Yeah, that's complete Fuck hand-wringing. off, you and your fucking speechifying. You do nothing for us, and yet you think you have the right to scold us. How dare you? It's wild. It's Honestly, wild. man. Like, fuck these people. Fuck yeah. this institution. I don't, I don't Anyone who thinks shit. you can drag any of these people to the left, you're fucking fooling yourselves. This is what we got. You fucking... Bent, you bent the knee, you got Biden in there, and this is what you're going to get. You're going to get some deranged old man wagging his finger about how you need to be nicer to the Capitol Police, no, even exactly. though they can fucking shoot you whenever they want. Exactly. Yeah, this is where we're fucking at. And also, the other reason this happened is because uh, Trump put a hit on the vice president. <laughs> can, we, can we talk more about that? Because How that's the funniest... Okay, okay yeah, okay, that, so that's where I'm getting so, to in this okay, chronology. I, I so, want to say that I heard rumblings about it, like, ha 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 on Twitter, like, looks like Trump put out a hit on Pence, but I guess I didn't really get a full articulation, and I would trust yours the best to get a good understanding of what happened. Okay, so the, the reason things really exploded, I think, <laughs> was after the rally ended and while the voting procedure was going on, like, um, so the Trump's strategy in all this, the, he spent the entire Christmas break telling people that Mike Pence is going to reject the results of the election. He's going to throw them out and say that it was compromised. So he spent weeks just saying, like, Mike Pence is going to do his job. Mike Pence better do what's right. Mike Pence <laughs> Mike better, Pence do, better do, you know, the right thing for America. <laughs> he better do it. And do it. So the morning of the event, Pence puts out a statement saying, like, hey, uh, this is not the jurisdiction of the vice president. Yeah. But evidently Trump didn't see that. So, you know, the, uh, the, the session begins and Pence goes, okay, I don't have the jurisdiction to do anything about this. I just preside over these events. Yeah. So here we are. We're going to hear the objections and do the thing. And... Around that time, Trump tweets out that Mike Pence failed to uphold his Oh, okay, okay. And that was the moment where he basically put the hit on Mike Pence. Damn, Because he had spent weeks basically putting a hit on Mike Pence, saying if he doesn't do this, it's his fault. He pulled the rhetorical trigger. He's the one responsible. Yeah, Yeah. and then he fucking did it. That was the linchpin. Yo, that was the linchpin. Yeah, he's like Puffy, put out the hit that got pock shot. (laughs) Just kidding, Puffy, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) but no like that's that's really that's the secondary reason why this exploded no seriously though yeah absolutely absolutely here's some takeaways and here's some things i think people should think about that i don't think people are thinking about yeah put this on a plate so we can wrap it in foil and take it away consider all of the fucking money and blood and effort and materials and resources that go into funding like the american security state Absolutely. Right? How much money we spend on defense, all this shit. Yep. These motherfuckers no, couldn't exactly. stop a yo, bunch of fucking yo, morons yo. from getting inside the Capitol. Because no. so I guess I wasn't thinking about it from a security spec- perspective this past week because, um, you know, I, I guess obviously that's an obvious component of, of the questions to be asked. But for me, it was like, yo, 
if these guys were able to do this this easily, it demonstrates that there really has never been like a genuine classical terrorist threat to national security, quite like has been articulated to us either by the government or by the media. I mean, if these guys were able to do this this easily, it shows that at the end of the day, even though there might be people being tracked by the feds really thoroughly, that there really aren't really any substantive threats of like collaborative groups that really know what they're doing and have the resources to pull something off that's big. Um, because we would have seen that by now if like these motherfuckers were able to do this shit. Yeah, exactly. To call this a coup attempt is an insult to, to coups. I mean, it really just shows just like the underlying sort of like, uh, I, I forgot the term that you used, um, but like how cowed American like courage is or like American boldness in the face of like repression. Yeah, and just how bad we are at actually doing anything. Exactly. <laughs> and how focused we are on just like building our own brand and shilling out. Where like we can't even have a, a coherent message like, these people are ostensibly the unified front here, right? Like, Absolutely. The most they, unified they that I've really seen in the last 10 years. they don't even know what the fuck they're doing. Exactly. Like, they're just shambling around. Yeah. Shambling around like morons. You know, just like pounding on stuff. It's like, well, what? Yeah, of course it was going to happen. When you get that much energy in one place and nowhere to direct it, it's it. only going to explode. It's going to overload. And the thing that tipped it was the Trump tweet. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's a combination of, you know unsurprising incompetence on the Trump side, plus, like, that kind of rhetoric that's got people ginned up, and then, like, the institutions up, completely failing to act like this was a real thing, yeah. when it was a very real thing they should have been taking seriously. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like, we can all laugh at the rallies, we can all laugh at all that shit, but it's like, you have to, like, the, given that this con that this continued for, like, two months, and people yeah, wouldn't shut up about the Dominion voting machines, and all this other shit, like, you'd think someone would be like, okay, we're going to take a little time, you know, we'll spend a week or something, and we'll just, here's the numbers, here's the published thing, like, let's just make this go away. Yeah. Nope, couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Couldn't spend the time or money on it, but, you know, we can spend a bajillion dollars on God knows what. You know, on, uh, I don't even know. It does, on escape hoods. That was my favorite part, was that I kept seeing people talking about the escape hoods. Oh, so like what, the, what is an escape hood exactly? Because I didn't hear about that shit. It's something from around, see, this is, this is the reason that, like, people need to watch this, this stuff. And I'm not saying, like, oh, it was a failure on your part, but it's like, these are the things that get left out no, there in hilarious absolutely. little details. Yo, like, you're covering that, my blind spots and I'll cover yours, man. Th that, like, post 9-11, they they in implemented, I guess, these hoods that Congress people would wear in case of an emergency that would hide their faces. Ah, uh, yeah. So that, like, if someone were to attack, they wouldn't know who it was. Okay, yeah. But then the thing about that is, aren't you just making that person a sitting duck? Because yeah, if you're just showing up shit. to fuck up the Capitol, like, you don't fucking care who you're killing. No, exactly. Like, like you're just making if that these person people like were actually serious, blind, like a chicken with its head cut off. Like, imagine if these people actually went full rampage. No, exactly. You think that, like, they would have seen Lindsey Graham and been like, don't shoot him, he's a friendly. <laughs> no, they would have wasted all these people. No, I, I mean, it really follows the, the, the fallacious notion of the good guy with the gun, that they have this coherency as they're going on a rampage, right? Well, yeah, and that one good guy with a gun fucking wasted someone in the fucking Capitol. Let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, absolutely. Because I had the unfortunate, um experience of watching that go down yeah fuck it you did it live um yeah it wasn't good and then seeing it repeatedly when uh i, I tuned into Infowars oh, and God, like yeah. alex and owen were just like they they wasted a woman in there they, they, they wasted her 
And then they show the footage, right? And it's... Yeah. I, I'm sure everyone's heard what happened, right? That a woman... So, you know, the doors of the, uh, I think the house floor got barricaded off, right? Yep. So, you know, there are Capitol Police there. They put stuff in front of the door so people couldn't get in them. But then the uh, the crowds broke some windows and were starting to, you know, stick their hands and their arms in and their heads. Yeah, like the zombies in the Resident Evil 2 police station. Yep. Yeah, so then one of the, uh, the Capitol Police guys fucking opens fire. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, kills this woman. And yeah. first I'd like to say, uh... If you're someone who is indifferent toward this happening, or is like, I'm glad she's dead, or is expressing that you're not saddened by this, uh, fuck off. Like, stop yeah, listening real. to this podcast, don't engage with our content anymore, I don't Get want anything to do with you. Like, Get a person is here. dead, a person was shot, Yeah, a person was shot and killed in a government building by a government actor, yep. in a situation that, uh, when you look at it objectively... That's not really, like, what fucking threat we're going to post sticking an arm in. Yeah. You're not right by the door. You don't have Nancy it was Pelosi all the way down standing the in front of the that fucking is worth door. Noting. It was like, all, it, it was like uh, Resident Evil 1 and, like, the dogs pop through the window and you're shooting the dog from all the way at the end of the hallway type shit. Yeah, it was a, it's like a six-inch hole in a yeah, window. Yeah, a six-inch hole in glass, not even, like, coming at you. Yeah, no, I will never, I will always remember the image of that woman dying. Of yeah. That woman writhing, wrapped in a trump cape, just convulsing. Yeah. As, you know, blood. Oh, God. Life it's, and death stuff. Like, the absolute maximum like, the stakes can be raised. For all these people who are like, well, a BLM protest never would have got the. Whatever, fine. Like, you yeah. don't get points for saying a thing we all know. No, exactly. The that's, thing that's that you such should be alarmed thing. at. Yeah, the, the thing that you should be alarmed at is the fact that when it comes down to it, the state will waste anyone. They do not yeah. give a shit. Black, yeah. white, whatever. They will kill you. To someone like her, who represents the general status quo of, like, the media and perspective in the United States, they'll fucking smoke anyone with impunity. Yeah, they'll kill anyone. This was a white woman, and they killed her. Yeah, this a white woman. a white woman, woman, and they fucking killed woman. her in cold blood. And I think she was blonde, unnecessarily. Too, right? in, a cap in the Capitol building, and the image is being circulated everywhere, everywhere. And you have people who have the audacity to say that this is okay. Yeah. That this is acceptable cool that this person was murdered in this way. Yeah, I mean, like, a lot of uh, establishment Dems, like uh, Charlotte Clymer, were saying things like, fuck around and find out, basically. Yeah, fuck Charlotte Clymer. Yeah, for real. Fuck Charlotte Clymer. I don't give a shit. Call me what you want. You can dig up whatever I've said. Fuck Charlotte Clymer. Fuck anyone who has that opinion. How dare they? How dare they be so callous toward the loss of life? Yeah, human How life. dare they? Like, basic That was still compassion. a human being. That was still someone with loved ones and with plans. Yeah. And to see that just snuffed out like that, and to see someone who'd been warped like that, just, ugh, it's disgusting. Yeah. It's disgusting to think that anyone could revel in this. Absolutely, revel in it with pleasure. That's that you could up. feel nothing, that you could see someone cut down like that. It's heartbreaking, it's heartbreaking whenever it happens to anyone. anyone. And it's like, the thing that, the, that it's a reminder of is, the state is not here to protect the good people. The yeah. state is here to protect the state. Yep. That's what the state cares about. And that's what this showed. The state doesn't give a shit who dies. The state doesn't give a shit what you think about the legitimacy of the state. As long as you continue to participate in activities that empower the state, the state is happy. Because at the end of the day, all you are is a fucking human resource. All you are is a biological terminal that the state uses to expand its power. And it's disgusting. 
And anyone who, yeah, just anyone with any expectations of Joe Biden, you're you're doing absolute mal- political malpractice yeah. by thinking that you can influence these people in any meaningful way. That these people won't do just absolutely horrific things that continue to alienate and dehumanize each and every one of us. Yeah. They're trying to feed you a bull of shit and tell you it's fucking, like, creme brulee. No, and you exactly. shouldn't fucking fall for it. I mean, if there's one thing that I've really gained from just growing up working class in the Midwest, um, it's it's really just having a general skepticism of people offering up things that sound good. Um, and it even comes from a tradition of, like, working class white people that I'm getting that from, you know? So it, it's something that can transcend race, and I think it represents a majority of people whose perspectives are not being represented in government right now. Like, people that are just like, hey, I'm just a reasonable person just trying to live in peace. And these people are, like, uh, posturing that they're doing all of these things to benefit our lives. But we haven't seen shit. So you guys got to fucking cut that shit out. Like, you got to stop bragging about things you're not doing. It's embarrassing. Right, exactly. The contradiction is too overwhelming. And that's how you get conspiracy theories. Yeah. That's how you get conspiratorial thinking. Is exactly. when the messaging people receive no longer reflects the reality that they live in. And this is how people like, end up Q-pilled. This is how people end up dissociated like that. This is how people become so, like, fucking just hooked to the discourse where they only exist within these online hives. That's how you end up with that. When our institutions fail to provide the basic rights and dignity that they promise, you know, people who live in this fucking country. Especially when the expectation is set that, you know, as a society that's been around for centuries, as a formalized state... And with the expectations that come with, hey, we've got civilizations, we've got infrastructure, we've got cities, we've got governments, there's a certain amount of expectations that come with, like, you get insulated from the natural events and wackiness of everyday human life through, uh, I guess, diffusing the damage that life can do on an individual through the systems that are set up by people collaborating together. And if the systems don't serve that purpose, then, like, what's the point of even having uh, like come together at all in in civilizations, you know? It sets expectations, and for them to only be completely undermined by the intentional choices of uh, status quo people in power, like, it it really just boggles my mind. Yeah, it's a joke of a state. And for the amount of money and blood that goes into this goddamn thing, that's what I keep telling people. It's like, just think about this. Think about the massive expenditures of this country, and think about the massive toll that it inflicts on the rest of the world. And then think about how shitty the standard of living is in this country. Yeah. Think about how hard it is just to get by. It's a, just it's to a live Weyerhoven with any movie. sense of dignity. It's a Weyerhoven movie, dude. Like, it truly yeah. is. Yeah, exactly. It's just like all this blood and treasure goes into the machine, but nothing comes out but yeah. a bunch of gibberish. Yeah, motherfuckers it's act not even stuff about that we can... Uh, just put out there rhetorically in the world and uphold as something that was a, a, a positive result of, of necessary expenses and costs type shit. Like, we, we don't have anything to materially uphold the, the lie we've been telling ourselves. We just have the lie. Yeah, and as that continues to collapse, people's uh, the idea of a consensus reality is eroded further and further as people become think- more and more alienated. You know what all this talk about the middle class is? All this talk that Biden's talking about, you know pulling up the middle class and integrating everyone into the middle class and all this shit. Okay, what is it? It really is just a way of flattening it and saying you're all going to live in these same shitty conditions while the rest of us lord it over you. While your elected elite just kind of, you know, sit there uh, eating a Capitol Grill and using your taxpayer dollars to fucking take trips to Puerto Rico or whatever. That's all it's going to fucking be. They're just going to be going to the fucking pedophile island on your dollar. 
Absolutely. Meanwhile, things are going to get worse and worse for people on the ground. Absolutely. And they're telling you that in real, in broad daylight. Like, the the idea of a middle, I mean, here's all you need to know to know that they're full of shit. You can't yeah. have a middle class without a lower class. No, exactly. What is what is middle? And you're pulling everyone no into the middle right. class. That means you are effectively expanding the lower class. Absolutely. So it's like, yeah, on one hand, I think, okay, having a harder class line would actually be valuable for us as a society. But on the other hand, like, the human cost of all of this, like, we could avoid it by just acting on it now instead of letting them do it. Like, do we really have to get to the point where it's this awful? Yes. Yes. But, but there is an argument where maybe maybe you do. You know, like, that's a thing that Kai and I talk about relative to Trotskyites. Okay. Is yes. this idea that, like, can you really communize something that doesn't have, like, an industrial infrastructure? And, I mean, the more and more I read about these things, the more and more I kind of feel like you can't. Like, you have yeah. to allow the structures of, an, of, of inequality and equity to be built in order to get people to rise up to overthrow these things i know i know what you mean absolutely because i think about it like the only way to build up establishments or institutions at scale that would serve uh to be um equalizers in some sort of ideal future there's no way to build up systems to that scale without like inequality resulting from that right and then it's through that inequality people understand the value of life and understand the importance of you know, actual democracy and valuing each other and having an egalitarian society, yeah. and then through which that you finally reach, like, a, a functioning form of a state. Yeah, and I, I think you can really apply just, like, uh, if a narrative can culturally, collectively drive people to do something great collectively, then I think the the, the way that these systems evolve can tap into just... Uh, really resident or really resonant narratives in people about like uh, just growing as people, uh, learning from your mistakes, and just like uh, developing to become uh, the best version of yourself type shit. And it can be tied to those sorts of improvements that come with um, like those larger collective improvements in society. Yeah, because those personal improvements really mean nothing if it's not part of a larger project to lift people up. Instead, it just becomes window dressing where you trick people into thinking they have mobility when at the end of the day, they're just sort of, you know, still indentured to the powers that be. Yeah, and I guess... I had, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I had an interesting thought the other day. Yeah. Which was the idea that, like, we can't do anything at this point about an institution like Amazon. You know, yeah. like, it's become a global titan to the point where, like, there's no way you can regulate that. Actually, this is super interesting because it ties into the parlor conversation, and it ties into just a better understanding of, like, my work in tech. Um, and the notion of, I have a better understanding now of cloud computing. Like, obviously, like, five years ago, I could have said, and you could have said, yeah, cloud computing is an important, essential uh piece of infrastructure to how our society functions and how businesses function but you know i couldn't have told you how the fuck it actually works mechanically um but with a better understanding and sense of that now um i truly see how much control amazon is able to exert through their original business strategy focus on building out essential internet infrastructure and the conversation about Parler being deplatformed from hosting services uh, speaks to how much we can really disempower 
um, disinformation platforms, and other nuttiness if we choose to. Um, there are means to do so, but are we going to leverage like people's power to compel Amazon to do shit like this? Uh, I don't know. And I guess it goes into larger structural conversations. But at the end of the day, I now have a better understanding of how big of an impact Amazon has in terms of its control of how things work and just the everyday sort of operations of basically all of our large corporations. So Amazon, Microsoft, Google, and like some of the other like, you know, 0.01% of market share hosting services basically control all of the internet. Um, and if you're not willing to do the capital expenditure of, of building a building, populating it with servers, and hosting shit yourself with physical hardware that you need to maintain and have a staff to maintain it, you're going to rely on these cloud computing services to do your shit. Um, and it really speaks to the power that they've got now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so it's one of those things where, like, at this point, they have sort of filled in for the broken parts of our infrastructure. Absolutely. been privatized. Absolutely. So I almost feel like what we need to do then is what if, okay, we can't do anything about the mega-rich, right? Like, the billionaires we're kind of stuck with, I think, at this point. What if we just got rid of the millionaires, right? What if you said, okay, you can only make a million dollars? And then you uh -huh. say, okay, Jeff Bezos, what, uh, Facebook, all these things, you have to fill in these gaps. You keep saying, you know, we have all this money, Jeff Bezos has the money to fucking, you know, cure world hunger or whatever. Sure. Let's fucking make him do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, Jeff. Okay, Jeff, you can control, Amazon can be in charge of all the shipping routes, but uh, you gotta provide all the shit yeah, to make people do Yeah, you've got a social responsibility. Right. You've gotta provide for the people who are doing it then. Yeah, I you think it's, fucking do it. it speaks, it it speaks like, to the notion of some sort of basic social contract as a result of getting those benefits, getting that power. Right, and that allows you to like assimilate aspects of that corporation into the government and basically effectively just build a new government by absorbing these structures into it. So, okay, I want to say, hey, this is ours now. I want to go off into like a high person moment for two seconds mm -hmm. in regards to Amazon. And in terms of its power, we've been talking about that, right? And I guess if I abstract human business or commerce or interaction to the absolute highest level possible as a concept, right? I think Amazon covers 100% of the scope of what businesses try to do. And so the scope of that is businesses are focused on the notion of how do we get something into the intended person's hands in some manner? And Amazon has the yeah, means exactly. to do it How both do you deliver from the good or uh, like a, a physical promise. commodities and warehousing perspective, and they've also got it from like a cloud computing perspective there? too. Hmm. All right. I think we're. Uh, I don't know if Kyle dropped out or what happened here. If he's muted all of a sudden, but uh, we're having a couple of technical difficulties, I guess, on our end. But I do think I think it's an important or an interesting thought experiment to kick around this idea of if you got rid of the petty bourgeois. And then just sort of said, okay, here's how everyone's going to live. You have these decadent weirdos here, but we're going to basically force them to uh, invest all of their resources and time and energy and capital into uh, holding up society structurally. And I just wonder if that might be a sort of roundabout way to wrest power from uh, some of these billionaires and corporations and uh, institutions. So, I mean, you know, that's just that's just a thought I've been kicking around, this idea that 
what can really be done about, you know, vampires like Jeff Bezos? Nothing, really. You know, but hey, maybe when he's gone, if we have Amazon integrated into, you know, filling these essential roles within our structure, maybe it'll be easier for us to uh, take control and democratize these structures ultimately. You know, ultimately absorb these private institutions into something that can be uh, controlled or influenced in a meaningful way by the people. Because, you know, society as structured now, I don't really see a road forward in terms of uh, how we're going to do this. You know, like, we love to talk about, hey, kill the billionaires, but uh, I'm not entirely sure how we're going to be doing that. Especially in the wake of uh, what happened on Wednesday, because um, I think, you know, you have a lot of people celebrating that Trump's been banned and all these people have been banned, and, you know, we're getting all these bad eggs out. But the thing to remember is, like, censorship cracks down harder on the left than it does the right. Because the left, unlike the right, represents a fundamental challenge to the status quo. So it's not inconceivable to think that this is basically an excuse to crack down on the American left, e.g. the Bernie bros, for example. You know, the hated Bernie bro who never believed in Joe Biden. So, I mean, I think that's just, it's something that we ought to consider uh, under these circumstances. The idea that, uh, yeah, it's funny, and yeah, Trump did a bad thing with inciting an insurrection or whatever. But ultimately, when we, when we enact this kind of censorship and allow private corporations to enact this kind of censorship, that ultimately the people who are going to be harmed the most by it are us on the left. And I think that's an important lesson. And as far as what alternatives are, I, you know, that's that's the difficult part, right? Like, I think it's going to be harder to organize in person now in the wake of this. I think we're not going to be... It would surprise me if we saw a lot of, like, large-scale protests being allowed to occur. Certainly never in D.C. again in the wake of this. I wonder what they'll do for the inauguration. Um, because I think, I really do think they'll be on, you know, they'll be hyper-vigilant in the wake of But it will be interesting to see next time there's a police killing or, you know, post-inauguration, like, what what mass gatherings will look like and uh, how mass gatherings will be addressed by uh, the state. So I think that's something that we need to keep our eyes on. And I think it's something that's uh, very concerning, is the, the potential direction this could go. But uh, I think I think we're gonna end the episode at this because I maybe it was my connection that dropped out. Hmm, that's unusual. Hey guys, we're doing live IT over the air. That's that's how we do it at Filth Up. I hope that Kyle is currently uh, recording his own segment of the show and that we can sync these up and it'll just not make any sense. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. But uh, for now. This has been philpdump.exe. This is Brian signing off. And for Kyle saying, uh, hope everything's going all right for you. We love you. We respect you. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Okay, perfect. So I'll know what to cut. Yep. All right. So just as a quick aside, you know, we had some technical problems. My, uh, my connection dropped out. But... I wanted to end the show, now that Kyle's back, I just wanted him to react to some uh, some tweets. You know, we lost someone online this past week. That was sort of the last thing. Is Donald Trump, right, permanently banned from Twitter? 
Oh, uh, yeah. Among other all of his accounts. With him goes an archive of some of the greatest tweets of all time. Oh, yeah. So, this was compiled by, of course, uh, the great Felix Biederman, a.k.a. at By Your Logic. Actually, no, this wasn't Felix. Okay, he just retweeted it. This was uh, compiled by at Raleigh, R-A-A-L-E-H. He's the host of the Trash Future podcast. I will give credit for this because it's important to archive these things. Yeah. And then it was retweeted by Felix. So here we go. I'm just going to read these tweets that Trump uh, tweeted. And I think we we should end by just ruminating on these tweets and thinking about these tweets as we watch images of uh, what happened this week. Yeah. Dummy Grading Carter doesn't like me too much. Great news. He is a real loser at Vanity Fair. <laughs> if Grading Carter's very dumb bosses would fire him for his terrible circulation numbers at failing Vanity Fair, his bad food restaurants die. <laughs> bad dopey, food restaurants. Yeah. Dopey Grading Carter, who is presiding over dying Vanity Fair magazine, is also presiding over dying Waverly Inn. Worst food in city. <laughs> With Vanity Fair circulation and advertising revenue doing so badly, rumor has that the dopey Grading Carter is going to resign? He should. I love seeing the Grading Carter and Vanity Fair are failing so badly. He's only focused on his bad food restaurant. <laughs> I feel bad for all Vanity Fair employees. Every day at work, they see the circulation going down as Graydon runs his bad food restaurants. <laughs> bad f Man, he keeps saying bad food restaurants. All right, coming up is the king of all tweets, and you'll know it when I read it. Wow, Vanity Fair was totally shut out at the National Magazine Awards. It got nothing. Graydon Carter is a loser with bad food restaurants. <laughs> and then this is it. This is, this is like the greatest Trump tweet of all time. Sissy Grading Carter of Failing Vanity Fair magazine and owner of bad food restaurants has a problem with his Vanity Fair Oscar party. Has a problem. His Vanity Fair Oscar party is no longer hot. <laughs> hot in quotes. <laughs> so good. I want that to be on, like, that should have been on the stimulus checks. No, what, I, what I love is that, like, he it shows that he has a similar process to us, which is we come up with sort of initial formula for a joke or a take, and we refine it over time, and it gets better and a little bit more elaborate, but it communicates a clearer message. Wait, so, there's still know. more. There's still more. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can't wait for Vanity Fair to fold, which, under Grading Carter, will be sooner rather than later. I have watched Slappy, Graydon Carter fail in Close Spy Slack. Magazine, and now I'm watching him fail at Vanity Fair Magazine. He is a total loser. <laughs> Rumor has it that the grubby head of failing Vanity Fair Magazine, quote-unquote Sloppy, Graydon Carter, is going to be fired <laughs> or replaced very soon? Does Vanity, Fair Does Vanity Fair realize that the purpose of a magazine is to sell issues? Circulation at record low. Spy Magazine also failed under Graydon. Nice. So that is four four screenshots of Trump tweeting about sloppy Graydon Carter. Sloppy Graydon Carter. Sloppy sissy Graydon Carter in his bad food <laughs> restaurants. <laughs> sloppy sissy. Yeah, no, someone just needs to have, like, a good Trump impressionist reading those tweets with just, like, footage of what happened Hell over the yeah. last four years playing under it. Hell yeah. Just all of Trump's great moments. Him extrajudicially assassinating Kasim Soleimani. Oh, yeah. Seemingly for no reason. Yeah, no reason. Just blowing his ass up. Fuck it, he was out there. Get him. Yeah, what the hell was that? I do man. Like, I don't... It's one of those things where it's like, you know, it would actually be really easy to start a war with Iran. And if Trump were trying to do it, he's doing a really bad job. Yeah, doing a real bad job. Like, if you wanted to try and seize power by starting a war with Iran, like, you could have done it very easily. 
Yeah. Like, it would have been very easy to stage a false flag operation. And, and it kind of just seems like, what was the point of doing the thing that you did if it didn't do anything? Yeah, if you're just going to extrajudicially murder another country's general. Let's yeah. not forget, this was a top general in Iran. Yeah, this wasn't this just wasn't some like guy. The guy that worked at the local uh, kebab place. Yeah, exactly. Well, if this were Obama, they would have hit a wedding accidentally. Yeah. Uh, or let me be clear. daycare. That uh, wasn't my target, but uh, glad they're dead. Got him. <laughs> we got him, folks. <laughs> Mission accomplished. God. Uh, so, any closing thoughts on this week, Kyle? I think we, I think we found a nice note of levity after all the. Uh, yeah, exactly. After all yeah. the bad stuff, we can all remember Sissy Grading Carter's bad food restaurants, and I the, mean, the Vanity Fair Oscar party's no longer hot. <laughs> I think there's so many nihilistic conclusions that could be drawn from this week, but I think something that grapples with the reality. Um, but also doesn't uh, only exclusively leave a nihilistic path of, uh, I guess, projections to look down, is that this is funny as hell. I mean, you know, in some sense, there is elements of danger and instability, um, but I guess underneath it all, like, I can be reassured that Americans are so fucking cucked and they're so just tied to this notion regardless of their political alignment to to self-care and like doing their own thing that like yeah dude i mean we'll never overall, get the civil war exactly so it's just like there are all kinds of undermining forces that uh, do cause concern that do need to be rigorously looked at and analyzed and and countered um but at the same time like the threats that are out there um, seem to be self-defeating in their ability to create mass movements, at least in any sort of uh, way that would make me feel like the state is going to crumble. So, eh. Yeah, the Second Civil War will be fought uh, from people's porches, basically. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's that's how lazy Americans are. They can't even be bothered to leave their yards. Yeah. It's just going to be like fucking Patricia McCloskey hanging outside of her house with a gun. That's all. That's just, that's just going to be the Second Civil War, the battle of the, the battle of the cul-de-sac. But you know what? The thing that caused that is fucking, like, uh, app-based delivery services. I don't fucking want to leave the house anymore because that's possible now. So that's, uh, that's on them. No, it's true. I've definitely considered having pot delivered to me. Oh, man. Like... Man. Damn. That, man, that's crazy. Yeah, no it's worry. great, right? It's just like, hey, you know, you place your order at whatever dispensary, the guy picks it up, and then he comes by your house and uh, gives it to you. Wow. What a time what to be a world. alive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to wrap it up, I'm, I think I'm still processing what the path forward is, Same. you know, but I think there needs to be a change in messaging because the, the, the well has been poisoned, right? Like, all the right-wing people now, all they can talk about is about the fucking Chi-Coms, <laughs> how the Chi-Coms yeah. are rigging the election. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, there has to, we have to come up with a different approach to, to, to bring people together. And I think the the big takeaway, and I think the thing that's heartening, is that there's a pretty large percentage of the the country that doesn't like what's going on. Absolutely. And I think that should be heartening. Even if they aren't people that aren't necessarily on our side, Absolutely. there is still that energy amongst even normal people that something has to change. Yeah. And it's just a matter of how, who will be the one who can harness that energy to accomplish, you know, their sense of what good is. 
And I think it's going to take some thinking. You know, it's going to take some time, and there are going to be mistakes. But I think, you know, we, we shouldn't be dissuaded. You know, um, in, in the sort of sham ending to this podcast, I was talking about how, you know, it's concerning that it's going to be interesting to see what political organizing looks like after this. Yeah. But, I mean, I also think, like, these threats to our ability to organize are all the more reason why it needs to happen. But yeah. also all the more reason why it has to be focused when it does happen. That yeah. because it's going to be harder to accomplish these things, we really need to actually engage with this notion of a marketplace of ideas. There's so yeah. much senseless factionalism among the American left. There's so much stupid argument over praxis. And there's yeah. there's no baseline. There's no baseline understanding that we all agree upon. And I yep. think until we can build and actually like espouse clearly what we want and what our interests are and how we feel things should be structured, we're never going to get anywhere. And we're yeah. always just going to be forced on the sidelines of history yapping like dogs. Until mm. we are able to clearly uh, sort of express and then act upon what our beliefs are, like we'll uh -huh. never be able to do anything. Because it's it's been clear that the road to electoralism is over. Um, we'll never... In our lifetimes, we'll probably never see another Bernie Sanders-type candidate. Yeah. I just think that's over with. You know, like, the introduction of progressivism really is a way to shut Bernie out, and people like Bernie, by saying, like, oh, look, we have a lane for all you left people within the Democratic Party. But it's all absolute bullshit, it's all a smokescreen, and anyone claiming to be a, a progressive is... It, they're full of shit. They gotta think a little bit, they gotta move a little further. I know I shouldn't insult uh, people who are future constituents, but what I would say is that... If you fancy yourself a progressive, just take a good look around at what you're being surrounded by and the language that's being used in the wake yeah, of what happened. what it means. What it means in context. And think about how the state completely failed to anticipate and react to this situation. And now, think about that state trying to administer some kind of social welfare system. And I think all the pieces will fall into place as to why you can't do anything with these people. Because these are the same people that effectively oversee every awful aspect of your life that makes you miserable and terrible and have been this entire time, regardless of not, regardless or not, or whether or not, whether it's been Trump. So it's just something to think about. It's like, are these the people, think about what happened under the Obama years, all that hope and how it dissipated and how at the end of the day, we really got nothing done. And, you know, just, just think about that. Think about that when you talk about pushing these people to the left and maybe think, well, fuck these people. You know, like, are these people really, is this really an effective avenue to get what we want? And, you know, maybe there's a way to do it, but I haven't thought of it. If you have, 760-895-2910. <laughs> Give us a Perfect. call. Because I've tried nothing and I'm all out of ideas. <laughs> Hell I yeah. I think that that's the episode title. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So here we are, folks. This was uh, philthump.exe. Uh, I think we did it. I George think we did it. back with us soon. Hell yeah. Uh, I hope all of you are doing well, and I hope you're hanging in there. Uh, it's been a rough week, and uh, it's only going to get rougher. So, I, yeah, I, we love you, we respect you, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Peace.